Welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Quick announcement. ChannelCon is one week away from today. Looking forward to seeing people there. Also, MSP Ignite pre-day is one week from yesterday. Looking forward to seeing people there. Episode 92, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Dave Sobel of host of the Business of Tech podcast. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. Hey, so we had a little bit of time before the show to talk about what should we talk about on this episode. I have been following a series last probably eight episodes gearing up to Channel Con on this idea of do the right thing. And the do the right thing wasn't meant to be like, your moral compass needs to shift a little bit to more true north. It was really about the things that happen in cybersecurity. Sometimes they happen without us choosing to do the right thing because we've got the proper process procedures in place that prevent me from doing the wrong thing. But by and large, it's doing the right thing so that we're not putting our own businesses either at more risk or that of our clients. And so you and I talking before the show, we kind of hit like really three things that I think resound with me. It's they're, they're not just buzzwords, they're real challenges, real problems. One of them being the, the Sobel TM cyber tax. We have <laughs> tech debt, which um, I won't say that any either one of us can take ownership of that. It is a real thing and it is a real challenge for a lot of vendors. Um, it's it's a challenge too, just, just to be clear, for MSPs. Tech debt is a big deal for MSPs. How many products do you have running in the system tray that four of those eight do the same thing? Just, just throwing that out there. And then last one was victim blaming. So for me, I like to start with the one that I think is the most fun. So let's start with cyber attacks. I think uh, I should just lean on you to say, walk me through how you came up with the idea of cyber attacks. I think it's so true. And then let's then switch gears and talk about, uh, as I've said to you on one of the shows, we we tagged you for, for using that term. I got some pushback from some of our listeners saying, I can never say cyber attacks to my clients. And I think this is a great opportunity for you to explain why, yes, you can say that to yeah. your clients. So it's funny because I just released a video, like literally the headline is IT security is a tax. It's a tax. Let's call it out. It is a tax. And I'm going to put this through the lens of, I have a what I call my good, better, best model of analyzing technology spend. Look, I'm in the business of technology and it is broader than just security. I recognize security is part of that, making sure. secure systems, but I'm in the business of using technology to make money. Absolutely. Right. I'm caught out. And so my model on this is I call it good, better, best. The idea of you're linking the technology investment to the profit and loss statement. You're good if you're an expense, right? People need computers. So you right. are part of the, the, the standard operating expenses of the business. That's acceptable. It's good, right? You live in that expense bucket on somebody's PL. It's better when you live in costs of goods sold, meaning you are doing things to reduce the costs of them delivering their core services. Or maybe you're enhancing the productivity, whatever it is in the COGS area of their profit and loss with that technology investment is helping them in that space. Which and is you are, in, 
isn't that the premise in some respects i should say and not in some respects isn't that the premise of why we got into managed services we said we can do help you do this better more efficiently lower cost that was i mean we're not walking into client prospects offices going you should really sign up with us not only can we cost you more money but we will reduce your ability to deliver goods and services to your own clients if you sign today Yeah, but I will push back and go, I don't think many providers actually do a good job of measuring that and tying it directly in a way that the customer can see this spend resulted in that reduction on the profit and loss statement. We just say it. Yeah, they just say it. It's a great sales front, but you actually- You have to do the work of showing this technology spend results in this measurable outcome in your costs of goods sold. I mean, the way I hear this as a security guy, it's almost like you're doing a business impact analysis or a security risk assessment and putting things into the buckets to say, look, based on this activity, this product, this service, we're going to change, reduce or increase in right. one of these categories. Exactly. And then by the way, best is when I can tie directly to revenue. When I can say this technology spend drives more at the top. And by the way, everybody has to bring revenue in in any business of any kind. And that includes the not-for-profits. Sure. Includes it. You have a profit and loss statement. The way revenue comes to the organization is the top line. And for example, by the way, if you're investing in things like e-commerce platforms, it's you can show that, right? I can show yeah. that every dollar of spend drives $1.6 of incoming revenue. That's why business leaders will just open up their pocketbooks, right? For anything right. Up in that best category. So, so more I, than- <laughs> I was going to say, can you go back for a second real quick? Because I feel like this sounds really compelling when I think about having the conversation with a client or a prospect. But I feel like when we when we use the cybersecurity piece, it's like if you get your own house in order. How do you do the good, better, best internally facing? Because I think that I think it's there, and I think that it's this is you're getting employee buy-in versus prospect or client buy-in. Oh, sure. Well, it buys in the all the way because, by the way, this is just how business works. You right. have to understand the mechanics of the profit and loss statement. Sure. It's it's just buckets, and it's just the way spend is allocated. People do this every single day with the way they put their resources and where they go. Technologists, those in the IT delivery, they need to understand this, and they need to link back to those business fundamentals. It's why it works. But by the way, I'm not saying everybody does this really well. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm just saying you need to do this. And thus, where I come back to cybersecurity as a tax is when I look at security and I try and link it to these buckets – I say well, it's, it it ultimately falls into SGNA. It's an expense. And by the way, it's kind of a really bad expense. Like I don't get much for it business-wise. And I'll right. tell you, like me, the the business technologist, I really don't like talking about security. Like I I literally I don't like spending customer money on it. I don't like I, I just I've always felt icky. Like I feel yeah. icky on this because well, it's like and there's no not, guarantee. Right. There's no well, exactly there's no guarantee. I don't act like on the on the upside, like when I go work with somebody and I can say, like, you know, let's look at this technology spend and I can spend a dollar and you're going to generate one point seven dollars in e-commerce revenue. Like, I feel really good about that spend. Right. right. I, can, right. I can show it. And I and like that's why I'm in technology is yeah. because I, I can do that and I can link the pieces together. And by the way, those business owners, that's money they love spending. Right. They'll spend right. it all day long. <laughs> yeah. Now, now talking about the threat actor in the Philippines, that's going to get all of your data in in six months right. because of of the lack of configuration. And it, well, and well, but but also let's let's 
but it's not that. Let's flip that conversation. No, you're literally just have to protect your pockets from your profits from criminals. Like right. you, the business sure. owner, is now required to spend part of your profits on criminal protection. Like it's it's because like even the way guards. you just said it, even the way you just said it is protect against configuration. No, I have to spend that money to protect against criminals. Yeah. Stealing burglars, stealing into my business, stealing my profit. That's right. a horrible tax. I don't like spending that. Right. Lock, like, lock your windows is something that we're all used to, but why yeah. do I have to lock my windows? But does it right exactly? And don't and don't take me wrong. I don't live I don't I understand that I don't live in a utopian world where <laughs> right. like but by the way, I don't feel bad about like the locks on my doors because it's not like it's this big expense that happens all the time. I just know that I've got to like put some locks on and I got to be good about it. But when we get into this cybersecurity realm, like this is real money. Like it's expensive. And it's it, recurring. it gets expensive. It gets expensive real fast. And by the way, there's a whole bunch of vendors who run around talking about how amazing this is and what a great opportunity is. And I'm just like looking at that going, that's gross. It's just yucky. I, right. I it's like don't... exploitation. <laughs> right. It feels horrible. When I'm in the business of like protecting my customers resources holistically spending their technology budget well the cyber bit just i just don't like it i don't want and so if i'm uncomfortable yeah well no wonder it's hard like and i so so to the, to the person who says i can't talk to my customer this way i would actually say don't you think customers are going to actually really respect your honest assessment of you helping them spend their technology i'm not saying don't do it. What sure. I'm saying is, is like, actually, let's talk about this spend differently than our other spends, because if we only talk about our technology spend one way, it all flows to the lowest common denominator. Right. And you, become, you become purely an expense. When I want that trusted relationship to say, yes, please spend that dollar with me to get 170 at the top every single time. Yeah. But by the way, we, we can't be irresponsible. We have to talk about this other bit. It's a tax. We know we have to spend it because just we're in modern business. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to so I think about frameworks and, you know, we we heavily push the CIS version eight within the MSP Ignite peer group. It's it's definitely heavily influencing the the security trust mark plus. Um, what's interesting is there's a lot of things that get called out in that framework, which is focused holistically on security and securing an environment. But it'll reference things like business continuity, uh, you know, disaster recovery. And, and some of that stuff is not actually one of the controls. It's something that you already should have been doing so that when you are on that control, you're like, oh, I can go pull this from my employee handbook, whatever it might be. I think that's something that is interesting in the way you're couching it today is that the things that you were already doing as an MSP should lend themselves to not have this tax, if you will, be such a great burden that it's causing strife with the increase because a large part of what you were already doing should have been lending itself to this, but you weren't calling it out. You weren't explicitly pointing to that direct correlation between because of this additional item that's in your environment, we are reducing the probability of this by some measurable number. 
Right. And by the way, we're also not talking about the other. The, the, literally, I think it's important to talk about the criminal evidence. Like I just ran on yeah. this week on the show. One of the stories I talked about was literally North Korea has designed specific programs targeting small businesses to steal their money to fund their weapons programs. Like that's the so for anybody who always goes, well, I don't know how to talk to my customers about this. Like what or or more importantly, I don't have anything of value. Yes, you do. You have money. Right. That is what the North Koreans are coming for. Our own government has said so. So I would like to protect your money. <laughs> and more importantly, we don't talk about the and I don't want to pay the ransom. I want to make sure you're in a position because we say it all the time. This is right. when, not if. Let's actually talk about what's going to happen when. Are we prepared to not pay the ransom? And this is what that means. Sure. We need to be prepared for a non-zero amount of downtime. Let's just actually acknowledge that. Right. You know, perhaps, what do you mean zero? <laughs> right. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps part of the strategy is the we're going to be funded for this. Now, meaning we're going to buy a bunch of products, meaning we're going to put money aside to sure. be ready for the day or two or three or whatever, because we're going to execute our recovery plan. And the recovery plan looks like this. And by the way, it includes, are we prepared with the evidence collection processes beforehand that we know what we're going to do to call the FBI, the hour we have a relationship with the FBI field office? Are we like systematically prepared for this? And so that we, the end result will be no cyber criminals. We're not going to give you money because, by the way, the more people that do that, yeah. the less motivated they will be, and the more we will reduce this actual problem. It's right. They only need they only need to win one time. We have to win all the time. That's not a very good game, right? But if what we can actually do is start reducing the number of times they get paid, right? That's actually changing it now that yeah. requires all of us to to collectively do it but i believe we're capable of that because last i checked it's actually in all of our best interests to not write checks for ransomware and instead of instead of setting taking the approach of like well i'm going to use a million tools and like so perfectly reduce my risk why don't i just actually have a plan to, to know reduce what, risk to reduce risk but more <laughs> yeah. importantly the final plan for the risk that I have not reduced is to be able to, at the end result to say, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, so let's shift gears. Cause I think we're, we're kind of, we're actually right on this, this other sort of segue to the victim blaming. And I, you brought up North Korea. And I think one of the things that really um, red flags um, having spent a lot of energy and time going through questionnaires from insurance companies and the things that they expect, what they will and won't cover and that kind of thing. And it's like, we we've talked about this both before the show. And even now, you know, these are terrorist groups largely, right? right? Like they right. are the, there, it's not just like the, you know, you know, the guy at the seven 11 using the, the, you know, free use internet connect, connected computer to, to steal some money from you. And now it's wire fraud or whatever it might be. Um, what's interesting is you bring up North Korea to fund their weapons program. So if, if I <laughs> unwillingly, if I unwillingly, you know, it's easy for me to do victim blaming, right? Like, ah, oh, North Korea, it's their fault that this happened. The reality is my own actions have contributed to something that I am actually the victim, but I'm also an accessory. Well, you're making it easy for them to do this, right? They're, sure. they're just exploiting an opportunity. I like to think of it in two buckets, and I, I do like personifying this. There's two buckets. There's the terrorist organizations that exactly like what we described, and then there's the cyber criminal gangs. And I want you to think 
Tony Soprano with a computer, yeah. like an actual org, right? Like an organization. And by the way, they're really good. Like right. HR, HR departments, they punch it in and out. They have customer support desk. Oh, by the way, a customer support desk that's generally better than every MSP. Like they, right. they can right. call like they, they do. They'll help grandma pay with Bitcoin. Yeah, they're better than all of us. To Eurillium or your three, whatever right. it is. Yeah, they're better than all of us. I challenge anybody to explain to your grandmother how to do a Bitcoin purchase. They know what they're doing, right? <laughs> right, and and like, they even use customer service tactics. Like we don't appreciate yelling or all in caps writing via right. chat. And you're like, oh, got it. Sorry, I don't right. want my cost to so, go up. So you you need to look at them like the sophisticated actors they are and the organized crim criminal activities now right. we do things if we think about it in a physical perspective we do things to reduce our attractiveness to real life criminals right those who burglar our homes right. those who break into banks and but but we don't we don't we, when a, when someone breaks into a bank we don't blame the bank we actually talk about the fact that we blame the criminal for doing it right. now we will definitely have examinations of was there you know, complicity by the bank in that particular right. case. And if there is, then we should have a conversation about it. The problem in cyber is that there's just so much complicity and people aren't even doing the basic stuff right. that it becomes this wide open bit. And I, I look and go, you know, for anybody that says, I can't make my customers do 2FA, I'm like, can you make them lock their car? Like they lock their car, right? And use a key to get in. Why are they not using keys to get into their data? It's kind of that simple to me. But sometimes I think that that's almost too simple because I think about my car. I didn't also purchase the alarm system and the club and, 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 right? Like I am trusting in the fact that locking my car is for the most part enough. And I think that's one of the challenges that as an industry MSPs have put themselves in is that the things that we are doing have been doing is enough so that when I come to you with the conversation of now we need to do more, they're like, wait a second, you've been telling me this whole time we've been doing enough. Now you're telling me I've got to do well, more. But let me push, let me push back a little bit. So these days, like an alarm system, the club, like all of that kind of stuff, ah, we don't, we kind of don't recognize, but you know what we have done is we've registered the stuff with, with law enforcement, like the, the VIN numbers, there's, sure. you know, try like, and by the way, we are very clear. If someone steals our car, you know exactly what to do, right? Yes. You're gonna call the, you know, you're going to call the police. You know what information they're going to ask about. You're not going to feel like they're going to blame you for your car. And you're going to call stolen. your insurance. And you're going to call your insurance. And you're going to have very realistic conversations because you'll have collected data. We all know you're supposed to, you have copies of your registration available. There's a VIN number associated with that. There's procedures to this that we feel very comfortable doing. Yeah. There's real parallels here. You do take, you know, you should lock your car. You should not leave valuables on the dashboard. You should make sure that it's That's not, fair. you know, you, you you don't put it in a place that, you know, like you don't park in the bad part of town. Like, right. you know, you, you do certain activities that you know are reasonable, but then we also do all of this other stuff. And in cyber, we're, we're now looking at it from the perspective of like, put all these crazy gadgets and configurations yeah. and stuff like that. But the moment something happens, oh, well, we're not going to actually work with law enforcement like we're not prepared for it we're going to be really ashamed and try and blame people like yeah no one no one wins i mean right, there is no, no wins. everybody loses and then that taste in that client's mouth will forever be bitter and that doesn't help the industry right and so 
we need to talk about this much more realistically. And I look at it and say, look, look, this is a tax. It is. It it's okay. We pay our taxes. Like, right. And we, we can have a whole debate about where tax money goes and all that kind of stuff. I get sure. that. But what I'm saying is fundamentally, we like roads and bridges and we like our kids to have schools and we like police to patrol. Like there are certain services we want to have. Let's recognize that this is part of that, but we're also required to do the other bits as well. Well, you, to your point, we take for granted that these are actually privileges in a lot of cases, right? To have nice roads and nice bridges and to not have to go way out of our way to get somewhere. That's a privilege. <laughs> I mean, you go to other countries and it's like, yeah, they haven't fixed the sewer pipe because they know as soon as they fix it for one person, the the next house down the road is going to break. So why fix that one? It's, it's, a, it's a never, it's a cascading problem that we don't want to deal with. Right, exactly. And, and so we I, don't I have those problems. And, and so, and again, back to my initial premise, I also want to separate out this spend, which is different from our other technology spends. And I actually want my customers to understand that I am thoughtful about the way that I spend your technology money. I want some of it going into things that make you money. I want it, yeah. some of it going into things that reduce your costs. I have certain things that are expenses and we have to spend them. And let's talk about what that means and what we're going to do with it. So let's shift away a little bit, not so much shifting away from cybersecurity, but shifting away from that being anything different than one more thing that we need to be thinking about as MSPs. Because one of the things that we talked about, and this is a, a touchy feely subject, and that is the tech debt. And I think tech debt falls into two camps, tech debt that is accrued by a vendor over time and tech debt that is accrued over, over time by the MSP. And largely on the MSP side, it's not because, uh, you know, alleged PSA has been around for 25 years and that's the tech debt the MSP has. The MSP tech debt in a lot of cases is I have eight, 12, 15 things in my portfolio. I maybe no longer know what all of them are capable of doing. So I keep adding to that stack, which is increasing my threat for service, increasing my vulnerability, all of those things. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are around vendors as a whole in this space of tech debt, because I think it's all over the place. We're seeing new companies come out and you're like, wow, the likeliness of them ever really having tech debt isn't even very high because of the way they've built the platform and the flexibility of it is they'll just cut that you know tumor out and fill it back in right. with something else. Yeah, it's the it all comes into the fallacy of sunk cost. Like the things the things that got you where you're going, where you've been now, like before and where you get to now are not necessarily the things that are going to get you forward. And you do actually have to be willing to jettison old stuff that is not holding up over time just because it has made you so much money well it made you so much money celebrate it it was yeah. awesome did exactly what it was supposed to do then happily jettison it when it is time to do something else so it and sounds I like msps <laughs> participate in that though too because we're we don't like change so you know being able to embrace that vendor who's saying this is where we're going this is the roadmap Right. And, and actually, able the, to get behind it. The core problem is exactly the same on both sides of the fence for a technology provider and for a vendor. What you're trying to do is you're trying to maximize the value of your previous investment for as long as possible. Sure. That's that's what's going on here, by the way. So let's let's talk to the vendors. There are software vendors that have products that were created five, 10, 15, 
20 years ago sure. that have made them a lot of money and they're doing everything they possibly can to squeeze every little bit of value out of that over time. And by the way, in many cases, they're incentivized to do so sure. by investors or by you know the 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 people that are or or the public markets yeah. or whatever that it's is, like right? mining the ore until the ore is gone why would you leave any ore left in exactly the mine? you're going to squeeze every little bit out of that that is the same goes for a solution provider right i have built these things i am trying to squeeze as much value out of them as possible this is the, the classic innovators sure. dilemma right there comes times where you must invest in the next in order to move on and be viable or you will coast slowly over time to a dead in, stop into into it well yeah and over a very long period of time and by the way analysts like me always like to compress the time frame because it makes a better story oh, right? of course it, and and that's what we do. I'm self-aware enough to say that. But what I'm saying is you have to analyze that and say to be competitive, oftentimes you do have to jettison that. You should applaud the money and the what that it, it created for your business, the value that it created, but do not assume that because of that, I must hold on to it. That's right. not doing you any favors. Right, right, right. Do you think that there's uh, an opportunity here for MSPs? Uh, and I don't know if you necessarily have this answer, but maybe a thought around it. Like, how often should an MSP be looking at their technology stack and evaluating where it is tech debt and should be a concern or need to evaluate new? Because one of the things I think is terrible in the industry today is. Uh, the emotional drama around things that we've seen maybe recently posted in the news. Um, uh, I won't go into the details on it, but we're I'm watching MSPs say things like, well, if so-and-so is not going to be there anymore, then we're changing the product. Or, uh, you know, I can't imagine this is going to go well post-acquisition because the, the cultures that are in the, it's just not going to work. So I'm leaving. And this knee-jerk reaction tied to, because I've known, say, Dave for a number of years and our relationship as my account manager, it's changing. Well, then I'm leaving. Um, I we obviously got to nip that. I believe there's an inverse relationship between the amount of time spent on your vendors and your maturity and profitability as a business. Perfect. Okay? And let me, And here's why I think this. I come down, look, I'm in the business of making businesses and I'm in the business of making money, right? And so this all comes down to the profit and loss statement. Yep. It all comes back down to that, that businesses are that function. When I look at the average MSP, they spend roughly five to 7% on tools, maybe as high as 10%. They yep. spend 40 to 50% on labor. And the amount of time they're spending on their tools versus on the time on labor is in terms of the investment of their human capital as owners is wrong, except in more mature organizations. In more mature organizations, they are the ones building leadership teams and investing in figuring out how to manage people and be more effective and looking at things through the people lens. And so I know if they're spending too much time on tools, they're just simply not as mature and not as profitable. Let me observe 25% of all solution providers are break even or losing money. That's even as of the latest data coming out of service leadership. So I listen and I go, one in four is break even or losing money. Which, which <laughs> kind of goes back to what we were talking to me about at the beginning. So if we talk about the cyber tax, <laughs> taking this full circle, if my taxes go up, 
and I don't adjust accordingly with my tool set, with my labor, with and, 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 then I get right into that camp of breaking even or losing money because I'm yep. not sharing <laughs> with my customers, my clients, hey, this is reality. This is happening. And I can't absorb this on my own. And you shouldn't think I need to absorb it because these are the same things that you need to have happen in your organization. Right, exactly. And and that's, so I look at it through that lens. And I these are, particularly when you think about the stuff we just talked about, those are not tool problems. Like think no. about the cyber stuff. None of this is tool problems. No, and it's perspective fact, and people problems. Any security expert is all going to tell you about reduce attack surface. The less tools, the better, the more fit. Like that's what the security guys generally will tell you, right? And I don't presume to be a security guy, but I listen. And they're constantly saying reduce attack surface. Less is more. <laughs> and I think there's one piece that's even missing in that. Understand what your attack surface is. I mean, we say this all the time. Do you know what your inventory is? And so many times I get these answers with like, I think so. This one client we're not real sure about. And it's like, wait, one client you're not sure about, it's your client. It might as well be the office suite next door to yours. It's part of your responsibility. Right. And I mean, it is a binary question. Yes or no. Right. <laughs> I love, you know, it's it's funny. We do that with our kids. We'll ask them a yes or no question and they start off on a story and you're like, hold on, time out. First, I want you to answer the question. Then you can, I'm all ears for the story. Right. If the answer is no, Okay, because my next question will be, well, why isn't it? Right. <laughs> like, and then now you can tell the story. Now you can tell the story. Perfect. Yeah. But the yeah. answer would be no. Let's be honest about that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I look at it through that lens and and I, you know, and I, I look, I, you should be, you asked me like how often do they think you should be? I think they should be looking annually at at least a quarter of their revenue and reassessing it and making choices about whether or not that's the correct way to do it. And if you rotate through your revenue one quarter every every year, every four years, you have reexamined your entire revenue set of streams. Yeah, I think that's realistic. I think on the security side, we say somewhat the same thing. We say, how often should we do you know, that risk assessment, that penetration testing. And by and large, it's at a minimum of once a year. And depending on the industry you're in, it could be as frequent as, you know, daily. But I think that when you get to that daily extreme, yeah. I think the costs more often than not will outweigh the the outcome. Well, it's all about certain. I am yeah. reasonably confident that our spy organ, U.S. intelligence and the spy organization is looking at it at a far greater clip than, you know, the typical small, you know, right. plumbing office. Well, right? they're asking for like, things like, please, uh, please submit all of your SIM log data to CISA. That would be great for us. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's <laughs> I can't even take it from all the clients that I have, let alone now you want all of mine plus everybody else's. Wow. Yeah. So it's about finding the balance that's right. By the way, the, all of the things with the complexity here, I like complex problems. They're the ones that make me money <laughs> you right. know, because, because I have expertise here and that's okay, right? That's right. why I like complex problems. I just try and be realistic about them. Well, and usually if you break down a complex problem into the, you know, into pieces, it's not so complicated until you try to put them together and solve it all at once. And I think that is the space that we're in right now. It's not saying that you, that the cyber tax is what you have to go talk to your client about this second. But like, if you went back and looked at your current tool set, your tech debt, some of these other things, you may suddenly go, wait a second, I could apply a cyber tax to my clients of whatever percentage. 
But oh, by the way, if I go and adjust my tech debt, put the right tools in play, I suddenly figured out that I no longer have a tax problem per se, um, even though that I think eventually that will be the case because eventually it will catch up to just still needing to be there. But that dollar amount suddenly is like, wait a second, we're not breaking even anymore. We just got rid of that 2% that put us back into the black. Yeah. And, and, And by the way, and again, I think we all talk, you talk about being the virtual CTO, virtual CIO, being invested in their business success. Let's be open and honest with your customers about what you're spending their money on, why, and how, and the different reasons. And I believe personally, they will respect you more for doing so. But more importantly, you will also differentiate yourself in the way you're talking because all you, there's so many people out there that are going to say, well, I can just take care of it all. No, you can't. Nobody can. Right. (laughs) So episode down the road would be why MSPs need to close their mouth and put it in the MSA, right? Like there is no all inclusive. There is no, like you are either losing it on the resource side, the labor side, or you're actually getting compensated for it. So when we say all inclusive, that's no different than Microsoft saying you have unlimited storage in your mailbox. We all know that that gets problematic after about a certain amount of gigs get stored in that mailbox, whether right. it's free or not. So, all right. Well, Dave, um, as always, uh, our conversations tend to get longer and longer as we go, as the topics start to creep in. I think we did a good job this time. We kept it to really three three key things that are actually very much tied to each other. So for all of you listening, this has been an episode of MSP 1337. Thanks and have a great week. 